Well, if, uh, if you're new with us, I'm Jay. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad to have you here and uh, just want to welcome you. And it's great to be able to, to get together in God's house. And for those of you that are joining us online, uh, we just want to welcome you also. Um, we've been talking about uh, Moses the last couple of weeks. We've been looking at the life of Moses and uh, this idea of being in the unknown, this place of, of the unknown for, um, for what is going to be this, this new season of life that we're in, considering we're hopefully coming out of this pandemic and into this new uh, season of life, and, and it really feels a little bit like now what in many ways uh, for us, and uh, you know it's, it, it can be intimidating. And part of the reason that it feels an intimidating is, is as we're kind of in this wilderness that we feel like maybe we're walking through now um, is because we've become obsessed with our own uh, perspectives and our own preferences and, uh, and, and even our own uh, shortcomings in many ways. And so now that we have this kind of feeling of now what, I guess the, the question would then be, so what do we do? Do we look to go back to maybe how it was before, or do we move forward into something greater? And I believe that God wants us to move forward into something greater, that as we go through these different seasons of life and, and through this time, that God is always moving us and changing us and wanting us to move forward towards something greater. So... As we've looked at the story of Moses, we can see very much how we can relate to this guy um, because he was a guy who had many unknowns. There were a lot of unknowns in the things that he was called up to do. And through these, these seasons and what he was called to do, he was very reluctant. He was very uh, self-conscious. He knew that he was flawed, but he was also unsure of how he was going to move forward. And at every turn, he faced a problem that was essentially bigger than himself and bigger than he could solve on his own. And I know all of us can relate to that. All of us can relate to that in, in one way or another. And so we need to look to God to handle those things. And so we can learn a lot from Moses. We can learn a lot from his faith. We can learn a lot from his successes and his failures. And most importantly, we can learn a lot about God. And so today we're going to be um, looking in, in Exodus chapter 4. But before we get there, I want to pose, I guess, a question or at least a word to all of us that I think we're all familiar with over the last year or so, um, but even probably throughout your life uh, in different seasons of life, and it would be the word doubt. The word doubt. I want to talk about doubt today. Um, and, and when you think about doubt and you think about um, maybe how you get to that place of doubt when it comes to certain areas of your life, a lot of times that's informed by either the information you have or maybe information that you don't have. So let me ask you this question about myself. How many of you believe that I could do a full split right here, right now? How many of you believe that? No. <laughs> applauding that. Okay, who believes that? No. Couple people, couple people. Okay, what if I told you that I had been, I've been in martial arts since the time I was seven till I was about 19 before I had to quit when I went to art school. So now how many think I could do a full split? No. Yeah, you guys are nuts. There's no way. No, I used to, okay, I used to be able to do a full split. I really could. I really could. If I did it right now, I would not get up. Um, I would need help getting up, um, and there, we would have bigger problems, um, or at least I would for a while. Um, so here's the thing. Even when you get some more information, because some, some, some of you are maybe like, mm, 
Well, he was in, he was in martial arts. Maybe, maybe. Even when you get more information, you still doubt. We still go through these times of doubt. Even, even if I were to maybe show you a picture of me doing a full split, some of you would be like, I don't know, boy, I don't know. He, he knows Photoshop. He might have just <laughs> put his head on that dude, but, which I could have done. But <laughs> I just thought of that. But when it comes to doubt in our life, and when it comes to spiritual doubt, because we have doubts in, in different things. But when it comes to spiritual doubt, let me, let me just throw this out here to you guys. Do you realize that one out of every four people that you see right now, one out of every four people on average are going through a season of spiritual doubt right now? Doubt, I believe, is a necessary part of almost every faith journey that we're on. Now think about that the way that I say that because that might sound... That might sound strange to you, but really think about it. I believe that doubt is a necessary part of a faith journey, but doubt can also be crippling. Doubt can cripple us when we handle it the wrong way. And if two out of every three Christians admit to experiencing a season of spiritual doubt, which is what the data tells us, that two out of every three, I'm not going to ask you guys to raise your hands on this one, but I would be willing to bet that all of us in here, it's some form you know, some time or another in our life have gone through a season of spiritual doubt. Normally, it's, it's kind of kicked in by circumstances and things that we're going through in our life, but I'd be willing to bet the majority of us have gone through a season of spiritual doubt. But more than a quarter of Christ followers still, to this, to this moment here, still find themselves doubting. And the most common response to spiritual doubt 46% is to quit attending church altogether. To quit attending church altogether. 46% of people who go through seasons of spiritual doubt. You do the math on why our churches aren't as full as maybe they once were 50 years ago. Doubt is something that we need to be able to address and also handle properly and also go to the Lord about and to not be afraid to deal with as the church. Moses, he was a man of serious doubt right from the beginning. Right from the beginning, Moses had serious doubt. God never gave up on Moses, though. And here's the key. The key to Moses was that he never stopped listening. And sometimes we stop listening. He never stopped listening to the Lord. He was full of excuses, and we're going to look at that today. But he never turned a deaf ear to the Lord. He never turned a deaf ear to the Lord, but God used his doubts to create a man of boldness, a man of faith, and a man of purpose. And so at the end of Exodus 3, as I said, we're going to be in Exodus 4 today. At the end of Exodus 3, God tells Moses that he is going to free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt and Pharaoh, and that he's going to use Moses to do it. And so Moses goes immediately to a place of doubt, as I would imagine that you and I would as well. That's a pretty tall order. Look at right here in, in verse 1, beginning of Exodus 4. Moses answers, what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? So this is as he's talking to God at the burning bush. This is kind of the continuation of that conversation there. Essentially, he's saying they won't believe you. Um, they won't believe me they won't believe that this has actually happened. They won't believe that I'm being sent. Nobody's gonna believe me when I say this. 
Now, granted, this is a man, Moses, he's credited with writing the first five books of the Bible. The first five books of the Bible. And yet, when God calls him to something and, and tells him, I'm, I'm calling you up for something greater, he starts to come up with this list of excuses and reasons why he should just stay in the wilderness. And we do the same thing. We can come up with these reasons why we should stay in the wilderness, because that's where Moses was at this time. He was just a shepherd in the wilderness doing his own thing. And he started trying to come up with reasons to get there. Never forget, the Bible is not a, a book full of stories of superheroes. It's a, it's a book full of stories of people who were flawed, people who were sinners, people who messed it up all the time and who needed a savior. And the Bible is a story of their rescue by a powerful and gracious God who loves us. And we can relate with these people. I'm so glad that I can, even, even though Moses did amazing things, I'm so glad that I can look at his story and relate to him and that you and I can as well in a very real and practical way. And so God gives three signs to Moses because he says, okay, they won't believe you. Okay, fair enough. Show them this. And so he gives them, uh, he gives Moses three signs that he can show the, the children of Israel that I am being sent by God to do this. And so this is a little bit of a lengthy passage, but I want to read it all because there's some aspects of this that we're going to circle back around to here. So he says this, Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? Remember that. A staff, he replied. The Lord said, Throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake. And he ran from it, as would I. Then the Lord said to him, Reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile, pour it on dry ground, and the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So he gives him some interesting signs and wonders to be able to show the people so that they will trust him and believe him and ultimately believe in God. And it's, it's a very kind of cool parallel uh, in a little bit of a distant way into the reasons for Jesus doing some of the signs and wonders that he did. A lot of the book of John is about the signs of, of Jesus pointing to God and pointing to who he is. And again, we see God demonstrating through his deliverer signs and wonders to bring people to him. And God demonstrates this power in, in the need to trust in his power is there. And that's going to be Moses' strength as he encounters the Pharaoh is his trust in the power of God. And it needs to be our strength as well. Because our doubts can lead to God's demonstration of power. Our doubts, your doubts, my doubts can lead to God's demonstration of power. And he does it over and over and over again. So when you find yourself doubting your ability, remember the power of God and how it applies to your specific situation. 
God has given you and blessed you with everything you need to do what he has called you to do. And when he calls you to do something for the kingdom, you better believe he's going to give you the right tools to do it. You may not see it at the time, may not be developed yet at the time, but you better believe it. And so what, what does he do, though? What does Moses do? What, what do we do? We start making excuses because God's calling us into an unknown area with an unfamiliar, you know, un- unfamiliarity in, into the season of the unknown and asking us to do an unknown and an unfamiliar thing that involves a leap of faith, and that scares us. And so we start to come up with excuses, and that's exactly what Moses does. In verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. I like how he's trying to be polite here. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. So more excuses, more feelings of unworthiness, a lack of self-worth. He's essentially saying, God, I'm not good enough. God, I'm not good enough. I, I don't talk good essentially is what he said, right? I, I can't speak well. A lot of theologians believe that he may have had some kind of speech impediment or a stutter or something along those lines. Here's the thing, and you're gonna see God basically answer this. I believe God would have cured Moses of that at the right time, in the right way, if he wouldn't have used it as a crutch. But Moses turns around right there and uses his weakness, his shortcomings as a crutch right off the bat for God. God would have given him, I believe, and you're going to see God basically say that, the words to say and the right way to say it, I think he would have made him probably the best speaker that the world had ever seen if Moses would have just said, sure, I'm in. I'm in, God. I'm in for whatever it is that you want to do. But how many times have we done the same thing? Be honest with yourself. How many times have we done the same thing? And look at God's response. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. See, he's saying it right there. I will help you speak and teach you what to say. God is a God of power and a God of patience, and he is so patient with us. And it reminds me, in, in many ways, the way that God is answering this, you know, the, this question to Moses reminds me of this guy that I've, I'm sure most of you have seen some of these videos of this guy on social media. We all know what a life hack is, right? Do you know what a life hack is? Essentially, a life hack is where there's, there's a, maybe a problem or an inconvenience and somebody comes up with maybe a, a good way to solve that life hack. Sometimes they're, they're, they're cool and sometimes they're really dumb. And there's a particular guy that you may have seen some of his videos on social media of him where he just kind of debunks these because they're super stupid. And I want you to see this real quick. Go ahead and run that. So I'm trying to peel a banana, right? So maybe do this. Right? Right? 
<laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's a dirty plate, just throw it away. This one kills me. I mean, <laughs> and is, I feel like that's how God answered Moses right there. Like, uh, God, I, 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 I can't, I can't speak. Well, and God's like, who made people speak? God. Who put breath in your lungs? God. Who gave you the ability to get up this morning? God. Who's calling you to do whatever it is he's calling you to do? God. So why are we trying to life hack this? You know what I mean? But that's exactly what we do to God, and I feel like that's exactly what God is saying to us in many ways. And then let's go to the next verse, because after, after all of that, you know, Moses is like, okay, well, these are about the only things I could come up with, and so he just says this. But Moses said, Again, he's trying to be polite. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please just send someone else. He basically is like, I don't want to. I don't want to go. I just don't want to go. I don't want to go. And his problem really wasn't in his lack of ability. It was his lack of willingness, which is why he just said, I don't want to go. I'm trying to come up with these excuses but I just don't want to go. It was his lack of willingness, not his lack of ability. And this actually makes the Lord angry. Up until this point, the Lord's like just answering him and kind of going, right? But now the Lord's kind of angry. And I don't want to go doesn't sit well with God. Moses was unwilling. He wasn't unable. Let's keep reading. Look at God's response here. In verse 14, then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God's to him. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform the signs with it. Do you see what God actually did there? See, with God, we are able because he is able, and the problem is always us. The problem is never him. Interesting to note, though, that when God brought Aaron to help lead with Moses, that it was an act of humbling Moses. This wasn't God giving in to Moses and going, well, that's not what this was. Moses might have seen it this way, but that's not what it was at all. This was not approval of, of Moses making excuses because Aaron was actually more of a problem to Moses than a help to him when it really came down to it. He was more of a problem to him. When, 
when Moses comes down from, from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments and finds the Israelites worshiping a golden calf, who led the charge on that? Aaron. Who made the golden calf? Aaron. In Numbers chapter 12, he led a mutiny against Moses. Aaron was supposed to be the mouthpiece for Moses, and Moses was supposed to be the mouthpiece for God. And you see the problem when you get somebody in between there. Even in spite of the revision to the plan, though, even in spite of that, in spite of Moses' doubt, God still accomplished his purpose through Moses to bring him glory, and he will do the same with you and with me. Because whatever your doubts, God can still use you to bring him glory. Whatever your doubts are, you can, you can list them, you can line them up, you can bring those to God. But whatever your doubts, God can still use you to bring him glory. I want to read you a quote from an author named Henry Drummond. Listen to this. It says, Christ never failed to distinguish between doubt and unbelief. Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. See the difference? Doubt is can't believe. Unbelief is won't believe. Doubt is honesty. Unbelief is stubbornness. Doubt is looking for light. Unbelief is content with the darkness. Don't get stubborn. Don't turn bitter. Doubt means that you keep asking questions, and that's okay. That's okay to keep asking questions. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask some questions, but it's not okay to become content in the darkness, because that is a place for unbelief. I feel like too many times the church as a whole, we, we maybe make it seem like to others that this is not a place to ask questions, that you have to walk in and just understand it all, and you're not allowed to ask questions why, or you're not allowed to push back on anything, and that is not found in Scripture at all. In fact, this should be a place where we can come and ask questions and get our questions answered and not be afraid that we're going to be ostracized if we ask a question that maybe somebody looks at a little bit differently. We need to be, how else do we learn if we don't ask questions? And that's why I say I believe that doubt is an incredible part of every one of our spiritual journeys. At some point, you have doubted. Some of you in here are doubting right now, and doubt leads you to Jesus. And doubt leads us to his purpose in our life. And so we can't get stubborn and we can't get to a place of unbelief where we are content in the darkness because when we get to a place of unbelief, that is why we fail. And so let me ask you this question that God asked Moses. And I believe he's asking each one of us today and it is this. What is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And here's what I mean by that. Have you truly made whatever it is that is in your hand, whatever it is that God has put in your hand, available to him to mold into whatever he wants to do? Have you truly made that available to him and said, God, whatever this is that is in my hand, Lord, I, I want to make that available to you to do whatever you want. Listen, I had no idea that my love for artwork and creativity and movies and things like that was something that God could turn around and mold and use into a life of ministry, but yet here I am. 
I had no idea. And being able to use those gifts and talents that God gave me is a big part of the joy that gets me up in the morning and keeps me going towards God's purpose in my life. And I believe the same is for each and every one of us in the kingdom of God. God has made you passionate about something. God has given you a talent for something. God has given you some aspect of something that only you can use to bring him glory. And when you continue to doubt it, you continue to stifle the power of God in your hand. I don't care what season of life you are in. God has given you something that you are unbelievably amazing at and well-equipped to do exactly what he wants to do. And we write ourselves off and we doubt ourselves and we say, I'm not good enough. Uh, Lord, you don't know this or you don't know that. Or we don't even give ourselves enough time of day or credit to even go down that path of, wow, maybe God has something for me here. And if you look through the story of Moses, throughout Exodus, throughout Numbers, God does amazing things through the staff of Moses, through a dead piece of wood. And God uses that as a symbol for some amazing things. And we are limited by our weakness. We limit ourselves by our weakness to no less than just a dead stick. But in the hand of God, in the hand of God, your weakness and mine can do amazing things and can bring people to Jesus, can be channeled for the glory of God and, for the, and with the power of God. And Moses, Moses, his doubt led to a demonstration of God's power through him. And yours can too. So that's why the connection point for the morning is this. Do not doubt what God has put in your hand. Use it. Do not doubt what God has put in your hand. God has given you something to be used for the glory of God. Whenever you find yourself doubting your ability, remember the power of God within you and how it can apply to your situation. You are not unable, but you might be unwilling right now. You might be unwilling. And if God has put that in your hand, then it is a tool for the glory of God. No matter how minute or insignificant you might think it is, it is not insignificant in the hand of God. It might be a talent, it might be a resource, it might be finances, it might be an opportunity. It might just be an opportunity. It may just be that you're really good at relating to people in, in this way. It may be that you've got this little talent that you didn't even know could be utilized. Just wait, just, just make it available to the Lord and watch what he does with it. There's opportunities that you have within the church to get involved in that. We've got a community missions team that we're, that we're launching that's gonna serve people on average once a month, where we're gonna do service projects that are gonna utilize every different kind of talent that is in this room and then some that we haven't even thought of because God is so far ahead of us in that. And he knows what's gonna be needed. And that's an opportunity for every one of us to get involved in serving because you're never more like Jesus than when you're serving. And, that's gonna be a, and that is a part of our culture as a church and it's gonna to continue to be as we move forward. 
And that is an opportunity for you to use whatever God has put in your hand for the glory of God and to reach others around you. It might be helping with VBS next week. Over 50 kids signed up already. That's incredible. And you know what? We need some more help. You might be like, oh, I don't know. That's not quite for me. I don't know how I could, how I could help there. Listen, what has God put in your hand? What, are you just available? Are you un, unable or are you unwilling? There's opportunity there because there are kids that need to hear about the love of Jesus. And God wants to use you so that they can hear about that. Might be leading a life group or joining a life group. We're gonna put more of an emphasis on that as we head into the fall. I believe there's opportunities for every one of us to be involved in that. And service is gonna come back around in that also. But listen, in the hand of God, through you, God can use you to do amazing things in your life and in the lives of others, all for the glory of God. Will you bow your heads with me? God loves you and wants to use you to make a difference in this world. He could have done it any other way, and he chooses to use his church. He chooses to use people to reach others. What is it that you need to make available to the Lord in your life right now? I hope that you're searching for God to, to just speak to you in that in this moment. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe you're not 100% sure that you're going to heaven. If you don't know that part, we need to get that part settled first before, before we can move into how he wants to use you because believe me, he does and he's created you and molded you in, a, in an amazing way to be used to bring glory to him. But he loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you to take your sins away so that you could spend eternity with him. And it's only through putting your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone that you can have eternal life. And if you maybe need to receive Jesus for the first time today, I would love to pray with you. I'd love to talk with you as soon as we're done here. You can either come down front or head to the orange wall. If you're online, you can just certainly comment in the chat or go to our website at connectchurch.xyz next and find out more. For the rest of us, I pray that we would be willing to put whatever is in our hand and make it available to God. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you wanna use each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would use, uh, that we would all make available what is in our hand to be used of you, God, that we would stop making excuses, we would stop doubting you. Lord, if we do have doubts, that we'd be willing to ask questions and, and, and push forward to get our questions answered so that we can be used of you and to bless others and to bring glory to you. Lord, if there is one here or watching online that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, I pray that today might be the day that they make that decision and they can gain heaven as their home. Lord, and they can know for sure that they're gonna be with you in eternity. We thank you so much for your, your love and your mercy and your grace. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray.